Let's pray before we get into God's word together and uh, lift this time up to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this beautiful day and for this time now to get into your word as part of our, our worship of you. I pray that your name and your purposes and your wills in our lives would be revealed and you would speak to each of us who are here and those who are listening on the live stream. Um, thankful, God, for your truth and how you have shown that to us in the Bible and how we can live in light of that truth of the gospel and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, last week we asked the most fundamental, important question, uh, probably of all, um, possibly of all, but uh, the question was from the Westminster Catechism, what is the chief end of man? And to put that in more uh, colloquial terms, what is our purpose here? What is our main purpose? What is the purpose for life? And dear church, what is the answer? Okay. <laughs> to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Hey, what a wonderful, just, uh, and that is taken from the Word of God, the full counsel of Scripture, and to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Um, today I want to ask, what is the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church, the local church? Why does the local church exist? Uh, why does Faith Bible Church exist? Okay, what is our raison d'etre, reason for being, uh, the French there? Pardon my French. Okay? <laughs> Just as it is important to know uh, individually why we exist, why we live, uh, it, is, it is important for us to know collectively why the church exists. And so that is the title for today's sermon, The Purpose of the Local Church. We as Christians really should clearly know what our purpose is um, according to Scripture so that we can be focused on the mission and that we can make gospel progress together in following Christ. And the, the, the reason why we should know what our, our purpose is so clearly as a local church is so that we can we can grow together. We can be focused on the actual mission and we make gospel progress, okay, progress towards Christ-likeness together, not all separately, but together as one body, one family in following Christ. So the purpose of the local church, very important um, question to answer. And I suppose we could give the same broad answer as to the first question. Why does anybody exist? Why do human beings exist? to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We could give the same answer um, to the question, why does the local church exist and what is its purpose? But um, as we clearly saw last week and weeks prior, all things which includes the church exist for the glory of God. Okay? Um, Isaiah 43, verse 7. You can jot this verse down. Isaiah 43, 7, as, as God says, do not fear. He says, I'm going to gather my people. They're going to come from all over the place. And he says, everyone who is called by my name 
and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Isaiah 43, 7. Punctuating that point of why does anybody exist? It's for God's glory. And then when you go to the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, actually verses 3 to 14, and I mention this every so often to you all. It's one of my favorite passages in, in the Bible. But um, as salvation of individuals is accomplished by God, forming the precious chosen church, it's all to the praise of the glory of God's grace. And okay? he repeats that uh, three times in that passage. So glory speaks of weightiness. When we speak of the glory of God, it means he is significant. He's different from us. Okay? He's particularly um, holy. It's a, a heaviness, if you will. The glory of God, weightiness. And so glorifying himself is the main purpose and ultimate goal of all that God does. Okay? It's to bring glory to himself. And so this was the purpose of creation. Psalm 19, verse 1, I mentioned it last week. It says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. We know that there's a creator because we see the creation. It was the reason why he delivered Israel from Egypt for his own glory. Exodus 14, verse 4 and 18 says, God is speaking, I will be honored. I will be glorified through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. God's glory was the main objective and purpose of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. And I won't read the verses, but John 17, verse 4, John 12, verses 27 and 28, Revelation, the whole book, 2 Thessalonians, verses 1, chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, which uh, we're going to get to Thessalonians eventually, folks, so don't worry. But in a word... All of God's actions in history are for the specific purpose of putting his own glory on display. And that includes his creation of this supernatural entity that we call the church, that God calls the church. So that's the overarching purpose of the local church, along with everything else in the universe, is to bring glory to God, to display who God is to the world. And that's another way that we should understand what it is to glorify God, to put God on display, to show him forth to the world. That's why he created all things, including the church. And you might think of uh, the church as the anti-Babel, right? They're building up the city of Babel and the Tower of Babel for themselves, their own glory, their own name. God builds the church. Jesus builds the church for his name. Okay? Not to us, not to us, but you be the glory. So I think we get that, don't we, church? We understand the church exists, the local church exists for the glory of God. Faith Bible Church exists for that purpose. But again, that's a pretty broad, general answer. Today I want to offer some reasons that are a bit more specific about our church's purpose. Why does any faithful local church exist? What is its purpose? Okay, it's under that broad, all-encompassing, general purpose of glorifying God, there are four primary purposes which God has given. And I've, I've called them in your, in your notes there, in your bulletin, the, the fantastic four, if I might call it that. Okay, four purposes uh, for uh, why the church 
exists, why the local church exists. And so uh, I have so much to, to say today on that, so um, I'm going to restrain and resist the temptation to try to cover all four. To be quite honest, I think we're going to get through point one today because it's so important. It's the primary reason, primary purpose of the church. And um, uh, I'm a pastor, so I like to give things that are helpful to remember, like the, the seas of creation, the seas of history, I mean, right? And we went over those the last uh, several months. But um, these four fantastic four purposes and reasons for the uh, purpose of the local church is um, by ease, or we can do it by W's. I'll give you both. And the first one is exaltation. What do I mean by that? I mean that the church exists to be a worshiping body that exalts God. Okay, a worshiping body, that's your blank there in your um, bulletin, to be a worshiping body that exalts the Lord. Okay, since God himself is zealous for his own glory, and we see that throughout Scripture, his people should be consumed with and passionately desiring to worship and exalt him. So a faithful biblical local church must be God-centered and not man-centered. All that we do as a church should be focused on God to exalt Him, pointing upwards to Him, raising our hearts and our minds vertically, okay, lifting up His name, offering to Him all the praise and laud and honor and majesty that He's worthy of. This is in contrast to those who promote and practice a man-centered, man-focused, earthly, horizontal vision of the church. Hey, we might call these uh, the, the seeker-friendly, the seeker-sensitive types. The church growth movement, which continues to be popular and gain following of, of many people uh, over the last few decades. Hey, this is a, theirs is a pragmatic approach to attracting people to come to church, and it succeeded when when we look at the numbers, okay, it's, it's quite successful. But they've done all this while focusing on man's felt needs and man's preferences and catering to unbelievers' comforts and desires. So what's the problem with that? In doing so, they've adopted worldly philosophies and practices in their worship services and their overall methodology. Eventually, this affects the preaching of the word and and the gospel. Okay, Charles Spurgeon um, lived in the 1800s before this church growth movement, uh, but he was well aware of the temptation to allow the world to influence the church. Okay, this is late 1800s. He said this, quote, I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. And he adds, the very church which the world likes best is sure to be that which God abhors, end quote. In the past few decades of this seeker-sensitive church growth movement has proven that that model is faulty at its very foundation. It is not hard to see how God's word and sound doctrine has been compromised in catering to the self-centered world these churches largely have become like the world. And so we see this with just women pastors, with superficial sermons, watered-down gospel, 
okay, worldly music and entertainment as part of their, their worship service unto God and producing more tares than wheat. Okay, people who look like Christians but are, are, are not actually. So listen, dear church, the primary reason we gather together as a church, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, is to exalt him. Okay, to glorify our great God, to worship him. And that seems obvious, but it's easily lost on many people and many churches and even many leaders out there. Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. And I can give you a slew of verses, but I'll just... Psalm 29, verse 1 and 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in holy array. Okay, holiness means set apart. Set apart from what? Okay, set apart from the world, from sin, from human wisdom, and, and let's elevate ourselves. Let's elevate God and, and be elevated as we do so ourselves. Romans 12, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of, what's the word? Worship. Worship. So I, I lovingly remind you of, of these things, uh, not wanting to be redundant, but the very definition of the word worship uh, comes from the old English worthship, a worthship which means acknowledging and giving value or worth to someone or something. Okay? Acknowledging or giving value or worth to someone or something. The Greek words uh, praskune and latrueo, okay? these are words that at its most basic means to give reverence to something, okay? to give, to revere. Um, and then the other nuances to serve. Lots of times, Old Testament and New Testament, to worship God meant to serve him with everything. A few other helpful definitions. Edmund Clowney says, Worship is the response of the creature to the revealed glory of the creator. Robert Saucy, he writes, To worship God is to ascribe him the supreme worth to which he alone is worthy. The essence of worship may be summed up as the giving of oneself completely to God in the actions and attitudes of life. Finally, Pastor John MacArthur, he says, worship is honor and adoration directed to God. Okay, so these are good, um, just helpful additions to our understanding of what worship actually is. Uh, what did Jesus say uh, to the woman at the well? Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. He says, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For such people, the father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So we understand that as Christians, uh, we have been made into true worshipers of God. Whereas as unbelievers before, we used to worship all so sorts of false gods, uh, idols that we've created in our, our minds, whatever we've been living for, apart from God, apart from Christ. 
Um, that's what we were as unbelievers. That was what we were worshiping. All of us are worshiping something. Okay, but Jesus says that those who've been born again, he tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, have been born again to worship the true and living God. We are true worshipers. And our worship as individual Christians is not only when we gather here together um, on Sundays, right, here at Faith Bible Church, uh, in our worship service, our whole lives as Christians. And so Jesus' point to the woman at the well is it's, it's no longer just a matter of location. It's not where. Hey, it's who, the one true and living God through Christ, and it's how. He says, in spirit and and in truth. And that's the way he wants us to worship him. So we're to be living our entire lives as worship unto God, Romans 12, 1. Um, as Christians, whether we're at home or work or school or at play, in the bedroom, in the boardroom, everywhere we are, worship unto God. I love what Ken Davis said. Quote, worship is a life-consuming, sacrificial response to God, whereby I offer to him my head, my heart, and my hands for the purpose of bringing him pleasure. End quote. Having said that, um, God does want us to worship him uh, with fellow believers, fellow saints. Christians are called to be a worshiping body, a worshiping family, community. Jesus is the head, and we are the body, according to Scripture. As a local church body, we are together on the Lord's Day to focus our individual and collective attention to God. And by the way, we do this on Sunday because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday, the first day of the week, and like I always say, the best day of the week. Right? Jesus rose again. That is the reason for our hope. And it's the reason why we can gather together, assemble together as Christians to grow in Christ together in worship of God. So stop and consider um, how wonderful and glorious our God actually is. Despite sinful man's rebellion, he has stepped out of heaven to come down to rescue us. He rescued us from judgment, from the hell that we all so richly deserve. And he regenerates the souls of his chosen ones. And he makes us his adopted sons and daughters. What a precious privilege and position that is that we didn't earn. Nothing good that we could have done to earn that. God's grace and undeserved favor upon us. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's completed all the work that's required for salvation. He's done it on our behalf. He's done it for us by his life, his substitutionary death, and his victorious resurrection from the grave. Jesus defeated death. That's why Christians have nothing to fear. The sting of death is gone. We know where we're going. By God's grace alone, we are forgiven, we're justified, we're regenerated, we're redeemed, we're reconciled to God and to one another, and we have good news to tell the lost world who is without hope. And so we are on our way to being glorified, um, besides all that, as glorious and amazing as that is, God not only saved us in his love and care, but he continues to, to love us and, and, and care for us as our Heavenly Father. And one of the primary ways that he, he does that is by showing us his purpose for the local church, the reason why we exist. A local church that is centered on exalting him in true worship. 
Okay, so part of the point here, dear Faith Bible Church family, is that the interests and needs of man are to be secondary. Okay, they're of secondary importance as we come together as, as, a, as a church body. This is why we don't treat church as a place to come to be entertained okay, or, or just to hear some funny stories or interesting life stories or just to have our wants and our needs and our preferences met. No, our focus is worship centered on the person and glory of God. And as we, as we fulfill that, as we follow that, um, God does fill us with satisfaction and joy and delight and hope and peace and love. Donald Whitney says it well. Quote, he says, The more we focus on God, the more we appreciate how worthy he is. As we understand and appreciate this, we can't help but respond to him. Just as an indescribable sunset or a breathtaking mountaintop vista evokes a spontaneous response, so we cannot encounter the worthiness of God without the response of worship. If you could see God at this moment, you would so utterly understand how worthy he is of worship that you would instinctively fall on your face and worship him. That's why we read in Revelation that those around the throne who see him fall on their faces in worship and those creatures closest to him are so astonished with his worthiness that throughout eternity they ceaselessly worship him with the response of holy, 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 end quote. And he's referring to Revelation chapter 4. And so um, if you have your bulletins there, And uh, you turn to the front of them. All of our aspects of worship uh, are planned and prepared with this conviction that God is at the center of our time together. Okay, whether it's the very, very first greeting and opening prayer, okay, all the way through the worship and song and the um, uh, scripture reading and prayer, singing again, worship and giving, through the sermon, closing song, benediction, even the announcements. All of that is to glorify God, that express purpose to center our thoughts and our hearts and our minds on God. And, and sure, it's okay to include some humor and, and levity, okay, especially in the, the announcements. Um, and we appreciate that, but not at the expense of proper attitude of reverence and fear of the Lord. So I just want to give a few helps and reminders uh, for us to consider as we worship God every Sunday. Uh, I, don't, I don't want this to become just a, a ritual. Uh, just, you know, kind of, we can kind of get into just a, a, a pattern of things and not think. So I, I want to be a little instructive now as we, we kind of walk through some of the elements of our worship. Um, and, and maybe this will be good for, for us who have been at it for a while as reminders. And for those of us who are newer at this, um, it'll be instructive for you. Okay? So, actually, before we get to the elements of worship, uh, what happens before worship? Okay, so these few helps and reminders. The first thing is uh, punctuality and faithfully gathering at church. Okay? Hebrews 10, if you want to turn there for a moment. Hebrews chapter 10 is a very famous verse. But Hebrews 10, it's good to look at it. For a moment, verse 24 and 25, this is part of the greater lettuce patch, 
of Hebrews 10, which starts in verse 22, actually. Let us, let us, let us, right? Verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so it says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, right? So it's speaking of our preparation for worship. Preparation for verse 25, our own assembling together. Okay, Let us consider. Uh, that, that, that means we're supposed to be preparing, not just coming haphazard, haphazardly or carelessly coming into the house of worship. Uh, I think of Ecclesiastes, where uh, chapter 5, I believe it is. Um, don't go into the house of God uh, with, with, without thinking and neglectful, carelessly. And, and so when we are careful or considering in our preparations for worship, uh, punctuality comes to mind. Okay? Being here on time, um, that is very important in life in general, uh, especially you dear young folks. But um, coming to church, being punctual, is it speaks to something of our, our hearts. And it, it, it's an expression first to God, but also to others that you care. And you care not just about yourself, but you care for others. Um, because it's not encouraging. It's the opposite of encouraging when, when it's, it's not a, a timely uh, arrival. Okay? So we want to keep that in mind. Others-mindedness, love for others is an expression of that. So I just encourage you, instead of thinking, well, it's just the announcements, I can just come in after that. Uh, It's fine if we're a little late. Uh, How about out of love for Christ and his people, let's be prepared for worship, maybe arrive a little early. Maybe there's a way to serve, meet and greet people. Uh, Maybe maybe prayer before before worship service time and uh, be ready that way. And by the way, Sunday morning starts on Saturday night, right? And so the other thing this uh, I just want to highlight from Hebrews 10, he says, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. So our commitment to Christ means that we're going to be there when the church doors are open, right? It's a, a priority in our life. Um, just when I became a Christian, just all of a sudden, Sunday's, it just it just meant my body was going to be in church and not watching the football game, right? Or not sleeping in, or not just doing whatever you know, neutral or immoral thing I was involved in. Uh, when I became saved and God rescued me, uh, I I just automatically needed knew, knew I needed to be in church, and so um, this is a fruit of salvation, changed priorities of the blood bought sinner, church on Sunday. Okay, uh, our dear sister Eileen, uh, who left uh, and moved and arrived safely, by the way, to Texas um, last week, uh, she she was such an encouragement to me because uh, no matter what she was doing, we all know how busy she was with her schedule as a just a physicist scientist out there and needing to travel all over the the, the globe. Actually, uh, even if she would arrive after midnight on Saturday night or even Sunday morning. Uh, she did everything she could uh, to be here at church, uh, even in the, the temporary time that she was a member here uh, at Faith Bible. So it's going to be forever etched in my mind and heart as an encouragement um, for us, an example. 
So that's the first thing. So anyway, let's get into the second help that I want to give you. Participation in the worship service. Okay? Participation in the worship service. I want to just talk through this, um, the elements of, of our worship service that we purposefully have put together um, every Sunday. And that, by the way, this is not the only way to do church. Okay, there's lots of good, biblical, helpful ways to do church, but this just happens to be ours. And uh, we try to incorporate things from the Bible um, into just every element of our service. And so, once again, without being pedantic um, to, to those of us who are aware of these things, uh, some of us are newer. And so walking through this, hopefully, is, is going to be helpful. Um, but let me just say, if we're not coming to church with a heart that's prepared to offer worship and exalt our great God, um, it's going to result in worship being disengaged, disconnected as we sit there in the pews. Right? It's so easy to come to church and just kind of treat it passively uh, rather than actively engaging ourselves, okay, worshiping in spirit and truth. Again, as Jesus says in John chapter four. So uh, our prayers um, from the opening and on during worship uh, this is not just the time for, for the pastors or, or whoever is, is praying up here. Um, it's not a performance. It's not just coming up here and, you know, doing our thing. Uh, this is a, a corporate, which means together. It means collective, right? A corporate time to pray as one people. And this takes everyone's heart and mind being engaged Praying, even if you're verbally not praying, but we are all lifting up these praises and prayers and confessions up to God. Um, So what we should be doing while someone is in the front praying, even if we're not speaking verbally ourselves, uh, we need to engage ourselves by thanking God, affirming the words of the prayers, uh, confessing things, petitioning God along with that spoken prayer. And by the way, the meaning of the word amen is basically truly and truly or verily truth, truth, amen, certainty. So sometimes there's there's like an audible amen after someone prays. Right. And it's encouraging to, to hear that. It's just an outward expression that we agree with with what's just been prayed. And we're, we're lifting that up to God together. Okay, um, next is our scripture reading time uh, during our, our, our service that we always have a scripture reading time. And this is uh, taken from the pattern both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, their worship of God, that his word is to be read. Okay, in Nehemiah chapter eight. Uh, I'm not going to go there right now, but just a wonderful passage there about the, the word uh, being read before the assembly of the, the believers, the Israelites. Um, what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, going to the New Testament. 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul instructs Timothy, he says, Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Okay? So it's, uh, it's part of the, the worship that, that Paul, Pastor Paul, instructs uh, young Pastor Timothy in. So as God's part of God's purpose in our worship... He wants us to be exposed to God's word together. The truth unites God's people. And so when the Bible is read, God is speaking. Okay, we hear his voice, right? We've all heard that, that expression. Uh, if you want to 
hear God's voice, read the Bible. Right? And if you want to hear God's voice audibly, read the Bible out loud. That's what, that's what we're doing. What an amazing privilege that we even have God's word, but to be able to read and listen to it together in worship of him, that's part of his purpose. Okay, so listening to the Bible is listening to God. Paying close attention to the scripture is paying close attention to God. So our scripture reading time is meant to be an act of worship to him as we are his redeemed, born again, united body in Christ Jesus. And this hopefully draws our attention and also draws our affections up to God as we worship in spirit and truth. Okay, the next thing that we do during our worship service is corporate singing, right? Singing together. Um, I, I just so look forward to that every single Sunday. They're, they're terrific times. Uh, I, I always mention that when you think about it, it's kind of rare times. How often do you get together with a bunch of people and, and start singing together? Okay, unless some of you go to you know concerts every week out there, um, which is fun. But this is holy, right? Sacred and corporate body of believers coming together to sing 52 times a year, right? A great place to apply what Ephesians 5.19 says um, and tells us to do, actually, as we're filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.19, to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3 says a similar thing as we are saturated, filled with the word of Christ. Uh, Psalm 146 through 150, the last five psalms, the Psalter ends with uh, just God's word uh, exhorting and calling us to, to sing, sing his praises, to use instruments, uh, everything that you have at hand. Okay, all of it needs to be lifted up. It's glory to God. We're supposed to engage our hearts and minds and lips and lungs in singing out to him. And I get it. Sometimes we just don't feel like it. Sometimes we might feel tired or the song is too high or we're just not in the mood. Ah, I don't really know that song, so I'll just let it slide, let it pass. Let's remember that as Christians, we are people who have been forgiven and saved and ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And um, please know that God doesn't require us uh, to sing like the three tenors okay, or like a, a, an opera singer who, who just, um, you know, gets way up there and then just sounds uh, wonderfully beautiful. Hey, okay, we don't have to be a contestant on America's Got Talent. Uh, but he does call us to sing and to have our, our whole hearts and minds and bodies engaged in true worship of him. Uh, I shared in care groups this past Wednesday uh, what happened last Sunday when we were singing uh, The Power of the Cross, and uh, just spontaneously I got super emotional, and I kind of had to drop out. And um, last Sunday was communion, so we didn't have our, our our singers helping, so I was up here by myself, and Ruth was playing the piano, and I fell silent. But when I was listening to the live stream, uh, as I do every week of, this, of our worship service, um, when I dropped out, I heard the congregation singing. 
And usually when you listen on the live stream, it's just me and, and, and the singers and our voices kind of crowd everything out. But I was listening to it and I got emotional again because this, you, the church was kind of filling up for, for me just dropping out there. So it was super encouraging. And I was just thinking as I was listening to that again, how pleasing to the Lord that was. So our worship through singing, uh, that's what, that's what all this is. Okay. Our next thing, worship in our giving, worship in our giving and, Pastor Bill preached uh, last month um, about giving according to the Bible, right? Giving God's way. So it was super helpful. So I'm going to be like extremely brief here. But our offering time, we call this part of the worship service, just like the other parts. It's worship through giving or worship in our giving. We're talking about the giving of offering because giving is part of worship just as the praying, just as the scripture reading. Just as the singing, all that is, we give in light of the fact that we've received the indescribable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing him in our salvation. So Christians don't think when the offering plate comes around, oh, no, I have to give something. And that's what we don't think that we think, my Lord, my God, all that I have belongs to you. So thank you that I can cheerfully and sacrificially and generously give give this offering to you so that it can contribute to the ministry and the the ministry of the gospel of this particular local church. So I can I can worship you through this giving, hey, whether it's a lot or a little. Father, thank you so much for the privilege and joy it is to take part in this. Hey, that's what Christians think. What what a huge difference in heart and mind. So I just ask, are we thoughtlessly or carelessly last minute preparing our, our offerings or Hebrews 10? Right? Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds and how to encourage one another. Uh, giving is, is, is primarily up unto the Lord. So prayerfully prepared that God would use our offerings for gospel ministry. Worshipful listening to the sermon is our next one. And it's where we're at uh, right in this very moment. Okay, our worship through listening to the sermon. Uh, this could be a whole sermon in itself, how we're supposed to listen as God's word is being preached. But uh, some of us went through care groups um, a year or so ago, went through that book, Expository Listening by Ken Ramey. That was super helpful and just brought out many things uh, as far as just uh, what is the most edifying and helpful way to listen to uh, the sermon. But uh, I'm going to be brief here, too. But uh, the main point is that we need to be prepared to receive God's word okay, before we even we come to church. It's not like going to class okay, or like a, I don't know, a, a safety training thing at, at work um, or hearing a lecture okay, on, on chemistry or, or something like that. Uh, it's different, right? Um, we can be spiritually just whatever and and be able to listen to a, a lecture on the periodic table or uh, listen to a, a, a safety ordinance at, at church. But coming to hear God's word is is different. Okay, preparation is needed by bringing a humble heart that has confessed and repented of sin. Listen to James chapter one. Okay, James one, verse 21 and 22. He says, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. 
Okay, did you hear that? We're supposed to be putting off sin and putting on humility so that we can receive the word. And it says, which is able to save your souls. Okay, the word saves us, the word sanctifies us, right? And that's where the famous verse 22 comes in. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Okay? So our hearts need to be prepared, cultivated, right? Cultivated soil to receive God's word implanted. And God's care for us is so evident that he has given us this instruction in his word. And he's given us his word to be proclaimed and preached and taught each and every time that we gather together in worship. Okay? And so through the faithful preaching and teaching of the Bible, he feeds and nourishes, he corrects and reproves, he consoles, he comforts, he encourages, he enlivens, he saves, and he sanctifies and praise the Lord for that. So it's not a time to think only about how this sermon is appealing to me. Okay? What do I, me, myself, and I, enjoy or not about this guy's preaching? No, it's a time to receive and listen and ingest God's word with a humble and teachable spirit. Okay? Rather than coming to worship service thinking, well, I hope I like the sermon today, better is this. How can I actively receive God's care by changing and repenting and growing from the sermon. Okay, so the summary of all this before we get to our last little help, right? The summary of all this is encapsulated by um, Donald Whitney again. Listen, he says, quote, Since worship is focusing on and responding to God, regardless of what else we are doing, we are not worshiping if we are not thinking about God. You may be listening to a sermon, but without thinking of how God's truth applies to your life and affects your relationship with him, you aren't worshiping. You may be singing holy, 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 but if you aren't thinking about God while singing it, you're not really worshiping. You may be listening to someone pray, but if you aren't thinking of God and praying with them, you are not worshiping. End quote. All right, so I, I hope that's helpful. Um, for us today, maybe reminders, maybe just brand new stuff uh, to think about as we go through the um, every Sunday's uh, worship. And again, I like a little variety here and there and change things up. But uh, this is the purpose for our reasons why we have these elements, particular elements in our worship service. Okay, so our last help real quick um, as we consider this this broad uh, first purpose for the local church to exist, which is exaltation, worship of God, um, is after the service. Okay, Worship by ministering after the church service. This is the last help for today. As critical as all these things are within the corporate worship service on Sundays, uh, I'm quick to remind us again that as Christians, our worship overlaps and overflows into every day of the week. Each day, every part of each day uh, should be worshipful unto God. That includes right after the worship service, on the ride home, even before we get into the car. Uh, to paraphrase and quote one pastor, he says, um, it's weird, many of us feel like we're going to starve to death at about 12.02 p.m. every Sunday in church. Uh, chances are, though, we won't, 
He says, your favorite buffet will still have options. Your favorite diner won't run out of your favorite thing on the menu to order. Uh, Chipotle is well stocked, even on the weekends, end quote. All right, uh, let us be mindful of how God has used the worship service to minister to one another's souls. The souls of the people around you, okay, potentially, they could be anywhere from falling apart and wounded to super encouraged and comforted. Okay, just as you have been affected in some way by the worship service, so have others. So maybe look around. Is there someone around you who looks like they, they might be carrying a, a heavy burden? Uh, someone who seems particularly troubled or just lonely. Uh, someone with tears of conviction in their eyes from something from the sermon. Okay, is there anyone to tell or anyone to ask for encouragement's sake? Right? Hebrews 10.25 Encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Okay? Encouraging them with what you've learned or were challenged by or encouraged from the sermon or from the Sunday school lesson or just from the singing, maybe from something we've sung, maybe even from the scripture reading or the prayers that were lifted up. Is there a visitor or someone I don't know very well, a new member or a prospective member? Um, maybe I'll approach them. Maybe I'll invite them for coffee during the week. Okay, before we rush out the door after church, how about looking to others, seeking to bless others, considering how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, encouraging one another. So as we conclude, I hope this didn't seem too much for all of us today. Like I told you, I was tempted to get them all in one shot and just, you know, but we have three more E's to get to, which we'll get to next week. Three more W's, D, and um, we'll fill out the rest of the uh, the, the notes there. But um, we're getting to the heart of things here. What is God's purpose for the local church? And the primary, first and foremost purpose is exaltation of our Lord. Okay, Worship unto him, which is vertical. Imagine the God of the universe loving us so deeply, okay, even our humble church here at Faith Bible, that he cares for us by revealing this purpose to worship and exalt him. And in the end, that turns into glory and satisfaction and fulfillment of our souls now and into eternity. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you have given us this today, this truth. And I pray, Lord, that it's been somehow timely for um, each of us individually and for us as a church together. Um, I, I just prayerfully have considered that um, we are in need of this reminder uh, today and into next Sunday. And I pray that uh, as we receive it humbly, that it would turn into just just not remain with ourselves, God. It would go outward and upward um, towards you first and um, out towards those around us. Help us, God, to... Be focused on you uh, in everything that we do, in worship of you, not just for our gatherings on Sunday, but into lunch afterwards, uh, into the, the time of the big game after that, into the rest of our week, God. May we be true worshipers that you have made us into, that we would walk in the good works that you have prepared for those you saved beforehand. And may this good news go out to a, to a world that needs you, God. May we love 
Love others as you have loved us with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen.